Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. Clint Sterner's Football at Four. All right, since uh, since the old football horny clip of the day of the week. It's done, huh? Since it got such a great. No, hell not ain't done. Are you kidding well, me? It's just done for the season. I, I, I know you're having a hard time supporting it, Ron. I, I know you're having a hard time season. reporting it, Ron. Not reporting, supporting it, Ron. I, I know. I feel. I feel the. I feel the hesitation in your voice when we get to talk about football, is it, horny. Is it? I said the football season's over. You had to get a move. Well, no, nah, football's year round now. We 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 could still I have. Guess you, you're right. You could. We have. could still have some 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 serious football, horny audio for the that, people. That's right. alert. And I, I'll keep my eye on it. But for now, well, you're always on the hunt. Yes, I'm always on the hunt, and I just got to be honest with the people. When something turns me on, it turns me on. And it's baseball season in H-Town. The pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training. Joe Espada, the new manager of the Astros, has uh, has spoke to the media. And while we got to move on from football season, and football horny is put on the shelf, the baseball borner, borner. The baseball boner there is, it is born. Let it jump out. The baseball boner is born, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Espada, pretty excited about him as a manager. Uh, I love the hire, in-house guy. A um, lot of experience. Everything we knew about Joe Espada as a potential manager until today was as a an assistant coach uh, and, and hearing from people talking about, well, he will be this or he will be that or we got – well, today – Rubber meets the road. Meets it. And we start hearing from Joe Espada. And I'm going to tell you, y'all all know, y'all all know, maybe like when that perfume hits your nose, mm. uh, you, you know, when when maybe maybe there's a slight brush, there's a slight brush of the groin area or something, just, just, just a, a, a little, a little, little not, not, not quite, not quite swing, just a little, just a little brush, you know? You know when that happens, fellas? I'll go for it. This first piece of audio is, is that initial brush. Right, it's really good. It gets your mind in the right place. It gets you to thinking. Maybe gets your blood to flowing a bit. Here is Joe Espada, and he's talking about the biggest question with the Astros right now. You signed Josh Hader to a huge contract this offseason, a couple of weeks ago, and he is a top closer in the game. You've got Ryan Presley, who has been the best closer in the playoffs over the last handful of years. That's for damn sure. He's been your closer, a guy you just tried and true, you believe in him. Now you got two closers on your hands, right? Well, Joe Espada, welcome to the Astros. Welcome to being a big league manager. What is your plan with Josh Hader and Ryan Presley in the 2024 season? This conversation has been going on for, for a few days. Uh, I was waiting. Um, I had individual meetings with them, but I wanted to have them both in the office because this is a team, and I will ultimately make that decision. But I want them to let me know how they feel so there is no uh, transparency. Again, it's, it's extremely important for us to keep this team united. So many layers right there. So many layers of, of, of how my man handled this situation, Ron. The the fact that he met with both 
Ryan Presley and Josh Hader, both individually, first of all. And then he meets with them together, both of them at the same time, and has a clear plan of what's going to happen with with the closing position. Here is Joe Espada talking about exactly what his plan is for the closer this year. Yesterday in my office, and uh, when both pitchers are available, Hader will pitch the ninth inning. How, how did that meeting go for... Uh... It, it went well. I, I think both guys want the best for this team. Um, I think the ultimate goal is to hold that trophy uh, at the end of the year, and both guys were, were on board. Baseball boner, ladies and gentlemen. Your your manager, Joe Espada, think about how he handled this right here. Think about how he handled it. Individual meetings to see how each player felt. A meeting with both players in the room to let them know, hey, this is my decision, and here is how we are going to handle the closer. When everybody's available, Josh Hader, you're getting the ninth. Ryan Presley, you're getting the eighth. There's no gray area. There's no wondering. There's no, hey man, I don't, I don't know what the, you know, hearing things through the media. No sir. There is, there is a clear, concise message that's been discussed and communicated to both players, and the this is the way that as a pro, this is how you handle that situation. This is exact. This is the kind of thing that I think Joe Espada is is going to end up being a great manager because he handles things this this way right here. He's going to be a great leader of men because he handles things like this like like he handled this. A great manager of people and of a clubhouse because he handles things the way he just handled it. Like if you just take away the the actual decision and just how it how he went about doing it, like that's the big part in terms of the leadership part and what the manager's going to do because it's going to come time in the ninth or the eighth inning or the seventh inning he's going to have to make a decision on a pitch hitter or or where he's going in the bullpen or if he's going to have to take you know a starter out and damn it I've got my conviction and I know I'm going to make the plan I'm not going to fool around with it and I'm going to go and make a decision uh I you know one thing that I hate and I dislike is all right, man, we're gonna have this like we're gonna do this like fake competition. I already know what the decision's gonna be. I know what it's going to be, but I'm gonna put forth some competition, especially like with veterans. I'm gonna do this. No, he said, look, man, we're gonna make this. This is not gonna be a story moving forward. There ain't gonna be no questions about it anymore after this. This is one of the biggest things that people have questions for. Who is it? Is it gonna be a Brayu? Is it gonna be Presley? Is it gonna be Hayden? No. We're going to come right in here, yeah. and we're going to knock it out right now. And now the rest of the way, everybody knows their role. Yeah. Everybody knows what they're doing, and, and now you got time to deal with it. Right, Ron, it, it's a it's a perfect example of, of why being proactive and not reactive and communicating well is important, right? Because Joe Espada, he goes on in his comments, and, and he, and he kind of stumbles through some things with Hayter and Presley, saying Josh Hayter has had this much success. But, oh, yeah, but Presley's had a lot of success, too, and – and, and and you he kind of he gets lost and ultimately just ends up saying hey man here's the deal we're going we're going with with with, with Hader in the ninth and Preston in the eighth right had he not had the conversations individually and together that he had already had with the two athletes with Josh Hader and and Ryan Presley 
they very well, really not hate her, but Presley very easily could have heard this audio and been like, well, wait a minute now. I'm cool with pitching the eighth, but damn, you can't go up there and stumble through the fact, you know, what, the, the success that I've had as a closer in this game. I've been your guy. I've been loyal to the Astros. I, I've, I've been a big part of the success around here. You can't, but because he was proactive and because he communicated it, he goes they up there. They already knew. That's it. They already knew. And here's the other thing, Ron, is like, that messaging doesn't ring hollow to the rest of the team. Like the rest of this baseball team absolutely 100%, 100% respects Joe Espada because he has now set the standard of how he's going to deal with things in his clubhouse. Right? And I don't know how Dusty before did it. I don't know how AJ Hinch did it. I have no idea. I don't know that those two guys were as transparent, like legitimately transparent with the media as as Joe Espada appears to be at least for today. Right, so I don't know how those guys handled it, but the fact that you've got a manager that is like, "Hey, it's a tough decision. It's a tough conversation, but I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna nip it in the bud. We're gonna go to training camp, and, and we're gonna keep we're gonna keep on keeping on and win a bunch of ball games around here." I just I just absolutely love that part of it, and the other part of it at the very end uh, of that first cut that that uh, that that Tyler played, the very end of it. He said he he talked about how important it is to keep the unity, how important it is to to keep this this clubhouse chemistry, how important it is to keep these guys together, and and the way he handled this thing, Ron, is going to go a long way in, in terms of that. Like the quickest way to splinter a locker room or a clubhouse, if you will, is to not communicate with your star players and have those guys at odds, and then hell, you you, I mean, good luck keeping that clubhouse together. But the the fact that one, he's aware of the chemistry and 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 the togetherness and the unity, if you will, and then two, the fact that he's willing to speak directly to that and say, "I'm aware of the unity. I'm aware that we need to keep that together. I'm aware that that we're here to win championships." Like you know, it, it was just a grand slam for Joe Espada. I, I know I'm going off on a, on a tangent here off you, of a couple of audio clips, but I'm telling you, it is good, man. You know what else I loved about it? What's that? I totally agree with the decision. God, that, that's another that's another part that makes this go along. I totally agree with the decision to have Josh Hader as the back end guy. I think he should be the closer. That's a I think it's a great decision. And if it were me, that's where I would go to as Josh Hader as the closer and probably Presley in the eighth. I'll be honest with you, I'd probably put a Bray in the eighth. But but uh, it doesn't matter. But I but at the back end, I would. I would. I love the decision of Hadry. You go and get five years, ninety-five million dollars. You do that because he is your closer, and he is the one you want the ball uh, to be in his hands at the end of the game. I, I, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Now, I think one to your point about Abreu. Now, Abreu might have the stuff, and and maybe the youth, and 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 maybe there's a conversation to be had about him in the eighth. That would have been a tougher conversation to have. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm Ryan Presley if I'm down with that. Hater, now you look, Devin. Now, all right, all right, all right, all right, Devin. I'll, yeah. I'll do the but the seventh. I'll step down for the big lefty that you just paid a hundred million. But the, the youngster that's up and coming, now nah, you're gonna leave his ass in the seventh, and and I'm gonna get that eighth. That, so, that to be will be interesting to watch how 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 Espada does that. Right? Does he does he mix and match? Is it automatically a Brayu in the seventh? Yeah. And, and Presley in the eighth, or is it just by feel? Baseball boner, ladies and gentlemen. It is, BB. Good gosh, I'm stoked about a spot. I, I like what I love the transparency in any sport, 
any coach, any player that speaks to the media. I love the, and it's not obviously in our business. I love it because we get to play it and talk about it. But I, I just because to me it just it just oozes confidence. It it just oozes that hey man, I'm an open book man. You want to see how I'm handling things? I'm confident in what the hell I'm doing. I'm confident in what we're doing. Open door, report on it, talk about it, say whatever you want. Here's who we are, and here's how we go about our business. I just, I love, I love it in every sense of the of the phrase, man. Joe Espada is going to be fun to cover if he continues this. Boner alert! Digging. Boys, I don't know if y'all been following this, but but Twitter for the 49ers has been an absolute mess after the Super Bowl. First of all, they a lot of mess. A lot, right? A lot of the videos and the quotes coming out of the the San Francisco locker room, and now the guys were mic'd up on the sideline. Hell, it's coming off the sideline, right, Ron? It's 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 they're piling on really the 49ers, but really Kyle Shanahan in terms of this overtime rule thing. Um, so that that one is is it's a mess. But I don't know. Have y'all seen this dispute or this back and forth between the two on Twitter, legitimately on Twitter, between the starting right guard for the 49ers, uh, Feliciano, um, who went out like in the early in the third quarter, and the backup right guard, Spencer Buford, that came in and ultimately apparently was the guy that went the wrong way on that third down in overtime and let Chris Jones through. I'm right through. Have y'all seen this? I hadn't seen them go at it. So, uh, apparently, Feliciano um, was hung over and in a bad mood when he got up Monday morning, and somebody was commenting on, basically, hey, I don't know how in the hell you let Chris Jones, of all people, come through. And maybe you should have cut Blocky. Maybe you should have did this. Well, Touched him, yeah. Feliciano said, well, there, there ain't no reason to quick cut anybody if the right guard would have done what he was supposed to do. Oh, boy. Well, Spencer Buford, the right guard that had come in the game that made the mistake. Well, I can't wait to hear what's the What's the comeback? Because, I mean, he's accurate. I can't wait. What is the comeback this well, I, I'll get. I'll, I was just going to say he re- re- responded, but I, I, do, I do have it somewhere in here. He, uh... He says, "Sheesh! I open my app to this. Get well soon, bro. Because remember, he was he okay, was got right. he got there injured. You go. That's uh, okay. So he says that, right? So you think in the story? Right, and and it. It, it, it turn it look. I, it gets my attention because I'm like, damn, that's a starting right guard and a backup right guard in the same meeting room. These dudes are supposed to be tied at the hip. These dudes are supposed to be brothers. The hell's going on here? Well, in fairness, Feliciano did come back and say, hey, look, I was hung over. I was mad. I, I, I was I shouldn't have done it. My bad. He he, he publicly apologized to him." For what that's worth, right? Well, what's big boy? What, big Jalen Carter. So Jalen Carter, he retweets something that's a report on on this incident. This, these two guards going back and forth, and he accuses Feliciano of trash talking him about the car accident that he had that killed one of his teammates and one of the staff members at Georgia. Remember that whole that yeah, whole deal? Yeah, yeah. So so. He comes out. Jalen Carter tweets this. He says, "Oh, old buddy was he, he talked trash about my partner that died in a car accident, right?" Feliciano then comes back on Twitter oh, at Jalen Carter, and he says, first of all, you threatened my entire family, including my kids, and I responded by saying, well, you already got one body.' Basically saying that, that was the trash talk.'" 
This is all going that's, on that's, right. That's, that's a serious. Oh, this is all hell. going on. Like you, it's got real deep, didn't it? It's, got, it's one of those. Jerry, hey, like, Jerry. like y'all need y'all need it's to bow, Jerry. Y'all need to bow out of this thing, man. The 49ers, It just keeps getting worse and worse for this damn crew on social media now. I mean, it, it is it's it's wild, man. This back and forth on, uh, with with these guards and now D tackles. Now Jalen Carter decided to take a step in here, threatening families and talking about guys that got killed in a car accident. It, it's it's uh, ooh, it's getting deep, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It, it is. It, it, losing is no fun, boys and girls. <laughs> no, it 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 is not. It absolutely is not. All right. Uh, speaking of the 49ers and losing not being fun, interesting news coming out of the NFL. Uh, which is really kind of baffling at this point. We'll discuss that coming up next. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Cubley. You talked about this damn 49ers being a mess. They went ahead. I, I, I'm serious. I, I, I'm caught off guard by this. They went ahead and fired their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. I mean, I just, I mean, I, I didn't see that one. I don't even understand. Like, people are, as people are just calling Steve Wilkes the scapegoat. The scapegoat. I'm not sure, but they are firing Steve Wilkes. They're top four, top five in scoring defense. And, I mean, they had they had some struggles late in the season. Right? It comes out today, Clint, that uh, Hargrave is playing with a torn ligament in his thumb. And Armstead, who was dominant at times in that in that uh, Super Bowl, he had he had missed week thirteen into the regular the rest of the regular season and came back. He's a huge piece to their team. He had a uh, he had a meniscus issue in his knee. Yet those guys down there, there were some struggles towards the end of the year, and uh, and in the playoff, like that first half with the Lions, maybe I but they probably I'm guessing he wanted to fire Steve right there after that first half against the Lions, but then they pulled it together. But in that Super Bowl, man, they they played really really well defensively, uh, and right like before, give up 19 points in regulation to yeah, Pat Mahomes, one touchdown, right? Like and 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 the touchdown that they gave up. Uh, Clint to get there was a uh, was because the, the 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 punter and the and the up man muffed it, and they got him set up sixteen yards away. So that that is surprising to me, Clint Tyler, that they said, "Yeah, man, we out, we out on Steve Wilkes, we out." Go ahead. Yeah, th- look the the only the only thing uh, that that I can that I could I mean even even think in this situation is clearly it was not that there was some buddings butting of the heads if you will between him and Kyle Shanahan Kyle Shanahan came out and said look at the end of the day it just wasn't a good fit um and and that may (laughs) that 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 may be that may be just coach speak and hey let's move on but it also could be very very real if you're talking about a guy that's had a lot of success yeah he he had he had Robert Sala then followed by uh, by D'Amico. So. Well, no, I'm talking about Wilkes as oh, well. Wilkes, though. I mean, but but yeah. You, but yeah, to your point, so is Kyle Shanahan. There's a certain way yeah. uh, that that he wants things done. There's maybe a certain kind of communicator that he wants, uh, and and maybe Steve Wilkes didn't didn't bring that to the table. Obviously, it wasn't because of 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 production. I mean, you're, you're talking about the in terms of scoring defense, they were the best in the regular season, middle of the pack in the playoffs, uh, best best run defense. Uh, in the game, and so I mean, you're they. I don't think it was for overall performance. Um, now, as you said, yeah. you can say down the stretch against some of the better teams, they really struggled. 
you you can say late in the in the game versus the Chiefs that uh, the way that Pat Mahomes was able to go up and down the field a couple of times may have hurt uh, you know hurt him there. But but ultimately, I don't think there's anything on film or anything production wise that Wilkes' defense did that that leads you to to a uh, him not coming back as a as a defensive coordinator, former head coach that for a team that just went to the to the damn Super Bowl. Like it has to be something inside the coach's locker room of hey this it's just not a good fit in this locker room which uh, that that happens um yeah but it, it must be really bad if you're splitting ways with <laughs> with a defensive coordinator that had this kind of success i tell you boy rex ryan is knocking down the doors to mm. try to get to that and that i mean that's a gig right there you want to get to Hell I, I, yeah but you but you you'll say this often right i would assume they got a plan I would assume yeah. there's somebody they're eyeing that they that they wanted. I would. It would be hard to hire, to fire, especially after having to hire a defensive coordinator three straight years, um, or I guess two straight years. They went from Sala to D'Amico, and then D'Amico was he was he the coordinator two years or one two. year, two years, and then so two of the last three years they've had to hire a defensive coordinator. Now here they are again. I would I would think that there would be if you're going to do that make that move that you've got a plan somebody either came available or some somebody in your in your system um, all of a sudden now is ready and has the confidence to do it so yeah I would think they have a plan and we'd hear something pretty quick yeah from the text line uh, show I bet you think that uh, Taylor and Pat and Travis got another person fired it's uh it's Ron by the way not show. I will are, keep an eye we, on that, Ronnie. Are we really going to keep this up, man? I mean, we're going to keep this, this it's Ron, not show. Are we going to keep this Ron thing up? Yeah, it's been going on I, for a solid, like, four or five months now. It's been longer than that. <laughs> what? But I, be, the whole, it's Ron. We yeah. know you as show. It's, no, I'm, it's, it's Ron. Uh, it's, it, I told you it's over. Like, people are... I think people are starting to accept it and understand it. No. And I'm seeing it now. People have kind of – it may take some while. Look, I'm proud of you. You've been able to to make the move. It was really touch and go there for about the first month It was or tough. Two. I uh, committed. And you've, done, you've, and you've done a good job. I see people – it's like show is dead, guys. I respect your commitment to your bet that you lost. I really do. I, I love that you, a, you stuck it's, to it's, it. It's just real. But, dude, that that's your name we know you by we got to move past this at some point. I'm just over the It's Ron stuff. We get texts every I mean, damn, damn show. I don't I Bring don't show that. back. I don't agree with that. There are the, I don't I don't I don't see those texts. This program me. used to be called Clint well, Sterner and the Show. I'll tell you this, Tyler, you wouldn't know this cuz you're not out with us. Um yeah. It's I'd say on average five people per that's not per true. live broadcast. Uh, that's that's I, I, have I believe to, it. I have to that's listen true. to this guy answer a question that starts with first of all Tron. Oh my god! And then he answers a question. I mean, you're just being JJ Watt at this point, leaning into his head. I don't. I, no, don't. Do you're this. just no. being JJ Watt at this no, point. Dug in. That's not. Don't. You're, you're dug in. Hanging no, on the run. F you on that comp. No, that that's not. No, 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 I almost said it too. No, the hell. No, don't don't just call like me JJ. He showed up with that gel today. I think he just likes the attention. I think he just likes the attention. Time. No, that's probably true. See, text line, Ron is way better. Show was never good. That That's literally how I know you. For every one person that I likes Ron over others. show, there, there are five people. I'm skipping the others. Yeah. 
Dude, in my phone, you are put in as show Hughley. It doesn't even you say. So you haven't point. moved? I, listen, I, listen, it's it's over. It's out of my control. A no, bet is a it bet. isn't. It is. It's your name. We can decide right here, right now to bring the show back as who you are. We can do that. We have that power. I don't, I don't know that we do. You do, Ron. There the you show, Hugely. It's not. It's, first off, it's Ron. And I, it's oh, really, Ron, and, you, and you know, you've been, and you have been one of the real habitual ones who don't, who refuse it. Because that's what I call head. you. I'd say it's, it's 80, oh, it's over. I'd say it's 80-20. I know what your real name. I know what your dad's name. I know what your, your little man's name. I get it, man. But I'm going to say it's 80-20 people prefer show. Uh, from the text line, Ron is a loser. Show is tolerable. Your mother. Um, I, now I disagree with that now. I felt at, like least, a at least Ron pays his bets. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, that's a good – I'm glad he brought that up. Ron has done a tremendous job of making up for show. And 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 writing a bunch of shows wrongs. Now it's Ron's job is done. Ron's job is done. I, I feel like we need more show to screw things up so Ron can return down the road and fix it. I'm with you. And you it's, know what? I've decided I'm not going to call you anything but Ronald until you decide to bring your actual name show back. I'm just right. going to call you that's Ronald. An, why? Why do you have to because be? Because this is ridiculous. It, no. Why do you? It's not ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's a bet is a bet, and it's over. All right, the people have accepted it. The people are turning it, right? Like, there are some people, maybe a few, couple. 80%. I wouldn't say 80% that a few. Like this text line, I people say, I'm used to it. I see at least one person. You forced it on us for for, for a damn year now. You got to bring it back, bro. It's your name. It's, it's, it. it's, it's, show. it's out of my hands. Over. If someone asks me about you, I don't say, "Oh yeah, Ron was saying." I say, too. "I say, say yeah." Ron. Earlier today was show. They say Ron. Like no. I've had people really come through and say, "Hey man, Ron, I got it, Ron." Now, like, appreciate it. It's just not right. I have just general conversations. My trainer, by the folks. way, stands into the in the same space that you do. He's ridiculous. That's because Red's a smart man. I mean, it's over, guys. It's done. I'm not. It's it's under. It's and really, even if I wanted to, it's out of my hand. Whatever you say, Ronald. <laughs> Coming up behind us, somebody who respects it, Brandon Scott. He'll be with us with his Rockets report, who calls me Ron and respects me as that. Guys, it's over. It's out of my control. I don't know about that, Ronald. It's it's Ron. It's not Ronald or show. Stop it. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. All right, welcome in. Clint, Tyler, and Ron uh, here with you. Uh, as we return with the drive, the Rockets report. It's Wednesday, uh, 4.40, so we hear from our guy, Brandon Scott, a respectful gentleman, Brandon Scott, who is here with us to talk about uh, these Houston Rockets as he joins us every Wednesday. He does. Uh, y'all done a podcast lately, H-Town yeah. Hoops? I, think, yeah, I man. thought just, I saw you put that out. I yeah, think just I retweeted one, that yesterday. Just dropped one last night. There you uh, go. You know, so you should have gotten that in your feed either last night or this morning, wherever you get your podcast, me and Adam Spillane. Chopping it up about the Rockets, who, you know, better to be lucky than good uh, the other night. And that, and, and we'll talk about this in that game against the Knicks. Talk about that. The core six, the trade deadline. Bunch of stuff, man. So, now, yeah, check that out. There you go. Go ahead and listen to that. H-Town Hoops, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, Odyssey, wherever you, uh, you, ever you do that. Uh, coming up. Guys, there's no need for a petition or for Tyler to create any kind of a poll about Ron or show. There's, uh-huh. there's no need for that. I think I might need it's, to make old. a poll, Ronald. You damn sure don't want to see it. 
I don't need to. Because Ron is going to lose. I've been calling you Ron the whole time. I appreciate that, man. That's I what I said. Respectful I, man. I, I, but I did that even when he preferred to be and when he was being called the show. So you were being disrespectful yep. to, from yes. jump and then he changed. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I'm, I, 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 I am just now on the right side of history, but I was always well, I mean, calling I, the man Ron. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't call Mama him name, disrespect. Mama name is Ron. My name is Ron. I'm going to call him Ron. I ain't going to disrespect by the... Oh, but you now you all refusal. You're refu- now, Clint. You have been respectful. I'll call Tyler you whatever the hell you want me to call Tyler's you, but you ju- you just need to you need to figure it out, man. I haven't figured out. You <laughs> no, you don't. You don't have your real name back, Ronald. Anyway, um, speaking of uh, you created a, you created a mess storm. I mean, I you created it. You need to clean it up. Uh, it's cleaned. Just some people just need to accept it. All right. It, any concern? that uh, the Knicks are going to win this protest because they protested this game. I just find it interesting. They protest the game. The officials after the game came out and said they made a mistake and made the wrong call. So is there any in any way that, that something happens with this 105-103 win for the Rockets? Not at all. No concern that anything is going to come of it. I think it's, you know, it's it's extremely rare that these things ever get overturned. The thing about it is that it's more symbolic than anything. Like, could you imagine, man, if I was a Knicks fan, I would be so much. Could you imagine being a Knicks Rockets fan and this happened the other way around? Madison Square Garden, Dante DiVincenzo goes up for for a prayer at the end of the game. And let's say Jalen Green just kind of sidesteps him a little bit and they call a foul and that's how they win the game. Like, if if that was your team, you would be really mad. And and I, I think between the two things that you said, the fact that the referees admitted that they were wrong after the game and then just the protest itself is more symbolic than anything. Just saying, hey, we are ticked off about this. We know that this was wrong. And if anything, it's going to reflect on the officials, like their report card and their overall evaluation and all that kind of thing because, like, that was a bad, bad, bad miss. Well, it just well, worked out for the Rockets. Why they, but why they admit it? <laughs> like that's that's the well, point. That's, I mean, that's they, how. I, I mean, do they have a choice? They do those pool reports, and, yeah. and, and I mean, do they have a choice? Because they yeah. awarded it better with eh, man. We missed, missed that call. I don't, awarded, I don't know. There's any other way to say it. Yeah, no. I mean, they, I mean they, hell, we all saw it. I look for better or worse. We know this, that, uh, Ron, that they are transparent. <laughs> the NBA is very transparent <laughs> in terms of, especially after their history, they try to be as transparent yeah. as possible. Lately, at least about what why calls go the way they do and try to be as transparent as they can about when calls go wrong. So like they, they are unique in that way to the league to most of the leagues that we follow. Well look, I mean that that game obviously ended in in um in a dramatic fashion if you will. Um but that game in itself was a pretty damn good game for the Rockets. Yeah, well it's I a mean, good, it's, yeah, it's it's a good, good I, I watched Finally, a good chunk I watched a good, good chunk again. of that game and I mean, hell, they they led they led early to midway on by by a good chunk. Now, you, New York made a run late, but I mean, that that was that was a pretty impressive run by the by the Rockets. Well, it's a good win because the Knicks are a good team, and we're not used to saying that. Like the the Rockets historically had dominated the matchup against the Knicks, not as much lately because the Knicks are a lot better, and especially this year, that's a good win. Period to beat a team like that. But I would say the game itself, it was kind of a mix. Like they. They had a really good first half. All they really let happen was Dante DiVincenzo getting off, but they were really good defensively, trailed off a little bit with their rebounding and their defense in the second half and were able to hold on, especially with that lucky break. But I would say, like, the big deal of it is that you beat a good team and you snap the four-game losing streak. Like, we're going to talk about this. Like, 
they are no longer in the position that they were early on to the midpoint, leading up to the midpoint of the year before all of these injuries started to take hold, where it looked like they were kind of firm in that play-in you know, sort of competition, whereas right now they kind of are on the outside looking in and look at look like one of the worst teams of the mix. Yeah, so 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 should I so should I back off of that? Because Clint, I, I told you this when we came in. I said my expectations is that they are in the least why would you in the back play off in. of it? In the I'm just saying. Should, why, I mean, they're, I mean, they're 25 it? and 29. It's it's going. Nah, up. come on, man. It's going kind of. Nah. It's going kind of rough. No. Like, should I back off the expectations? Three games back. We, no. So you come on, man. Look, what what are we about here, man? Setting expectations and holding standards, like de- being sort of demanding here on nah. Hell no, don't maybe don't, not don't. back off the expectations, but do I need no, to? Because like, I was very confident to that me, they would be able like, to do this. The, the reality of it is they are not one of the they they do not feel like one of the top ten teams in the in the Western Conference. But when no, you look don't. at it, the th- the thing that benefits them more than anything, I think, is the playing field. I think earlier in the year you would have said, "Hey, they're in the mix for the playing tournament because of the improvements that they've made, because of how they look." Sort of in a vacuum. Now you would say that they're in the mix for the playing tournament because of the field. Hey, because somebody got to be one of the top ten seeds and the parity from really from top down. Yeah, you look at the teams at the top and then look at the teams at the bottom. They're all sort of wrestling for the same position. So, so I, I think it's still a realistic thing, something that they could still do. You just don't feel as good about it based off of what they're doing. What what uh, of the the young guys? What who who gives you who gives you hope, man? Who who gives you? Hope in a sense of of boy, this this thing has got a real chance. To, and I'm not talking about just to rebuild and be a part of the of a rebuild and uh, like the young guys that have got a real chance to stand out and be difference makers on this on this team for a while. Yeah, I think the question about whether you have a young guy who is a superstar or can be the best player on a championship team, like that's still an open question. And and if you're being yeah. honest about it right now. It feels like the answer is probably no, but if there's anybody who is, it would be Alper and Shingun. But I would say on the optimistic side, all of them, and Jalen Green is his own sort of his own conversation. You but know the, how I feel but, about but, 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 Alfie. But, We've had these back and forths about this because if he's going to be a one, it's got to look like the cat in Denver. Yeah, but but I, I think five of the six for sure. You can say you at the very least like what that you got what either you expected or more than what you expected, right? If you go from Alperin Shingoon to Jabari Smith, like Jabari Smith Jr. is kind of an underrated story right now because all of the attention is on Jalen Green and Alperin Shingoon, them being eligible for contract extensions after the end of the year. Uh, M.A. Udoka in his first year. Like, we're not really talking a lot about sophomore Jabari Smith Jr. And it's not like he's setting the world on fire, but he's a better basketball player than he was as a rookie. So you feel good about that. Tari Eason you feel good about, except he's missed 20-plus games now, and so you don't love that. There's some question about when it, when exactly are you going to see him again. But when he plays, like you would love to have like an ideal basketball team is a superstar, an all-star who's a borderline superstar, and then 10 Tar Easons on your team. Like like that's a championship squad to me. So so like you like that. Um, the rookies have been promising, even if you know what their weaknesses are and where they need to sort of work at, you still like what they offer you. You feel like there's something to to work with there. So you feel good about your young core for the most part. Like I said, Jalen Green is kind of his own conversation. But even he, even he is supremely talented, you would have to admit, 
even if he's inconsistent at times. Yeah, we talked about it. Like, you, you posed that question to me. Now, when did you know Jokic could be a number one on a team yeah. as a championship team? I guess when he became it. Yeah, when, when, he, when he showed <laughs> he became, he could. But, uh, and it was way after year three. And Shingun, and Shingun has a lot of his skills, and he would be the comp, but just, a to me, a poor, poor man's version, and the size is different, man. That, that dude is, like, he takes, Joker takes Anthony Davis and, backs him down like he yeah. is like yeah. he is nothing i don't know that that alfie will have that size it's speaking of go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, you, he just mentioned Jamar, jabari smith jr that, that's the one to me that really stands out i haven't watched him as much as y'all but every time i turn the tv on and he's on the floor uh other than shingun obviously but but other than him it just super active long i mean it plays hard plays both ends. i mean plays on both ends it, to me he jumps off the screen um, for more reasons than just he's explosive, you know. I mean, look, Jalen Green jumps off obviously well, from did. time to time, but it, Jabari's the one to me that I'm like, I, I could get real excited about this dude. He's yeah, just got to be consistent more. Well, I mean, offensively the, to me, but that, but yeah. he's in the second year. I, I think the big issue with Jabari is you thought the shot was going to be a little bit better and a little bit more consistent than it has been, but a lot of it has to do with confidence and being aggressive. And that's that's, it. that's and, a word for but, him. And that, that is the thing I would say I've noticed about him that's different you know, let's say year to year. I think as opposed to last year as a rookie to now, he seems to be a lot more confident and sure of himself. So I, I like that about his If he game. had Cam Whitmore's confidence, we got to show Yeah, no, I, I agree with <laughs> that. But, but that, also yeah. I think another difference, though, between like Cam Whitmore is way more explosive than Jabari is. And also, like, and Clint, you'll appreciate this, Jabari is a little light in the ass still, right? Like he he put on a little bit of muscle, yeah. but, that, but like he still needs to get – a lot more lower body strength, upper body strength. Like, he just needs to be bigger and play bigger. But on the offensive end, it does seem like he's realized that he can get his shot up over just about anybody. But I, I mean, I, I get the feel that even if Cam Whitmore was light in the ass, yeah, I, I that feel Cam that. Whitmore would I, still be getting shots that. up. He still thinks still, he's the biggest guy in the room, still, don't he? Like, it's a mindset. Yeah. Cam's kind of got that mindset. That's the thing for me is consistency and more consistency with Jabari on being aggressive. Like that's the that's the that's the feel to me. All right, every single Wednesday, right here, our guy Brandon Scott uh, will join us for his Rockets report. Uh and uh you can catch H Town Hoops as they put a pos- podcast out every week, him and Adam Spolane, and you can catch all his work on sportsradio610.com. And of course, he holds us down from a g- digital perspective right here on Sports Radio 610. We'll talk to you next week, big dog. Yes sir. All right, man. All right, that's a damn shame that uh, Landry didn't realize that you had cut your hair for Man, about it, three months. It had been like three months. He's like, did you yeah. cut your hair? <laughs> cut your hair three. Fu- he oh, said. A, uh, he a, said about five months ago. Yeah, about three months about a good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it didn't. It didn't damn near grew back. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll keep you updated on uh, the biggest story happening in sports with the uh, uh, the tragedy in Kansas City at the parade. The Chiefs have made a statement. We'll let you hear that coming up and. Um, there is some news on a very, very important piece for the Houston Astros. We'll let you hear what he has to say himself. It could be, it could be a slow start and maybe opening day is in question for this player. We'll discuss that coming up next. 